Good morning, Cornerstone Church. Can we begin with the ancient Christian greeting? Christ is risen. All right, work with me for a bit here. So imagine being dead, not partly dead, but all the way dead. And some of you, how many of you know that, the movie that that's a quote from? Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. And you're in the afterlife, and you're talking with, you know, people that maybe passed before you, maybe family members or grandparents, or maybe there's a spiritual hero, or maybe there's somebody that was just famous that you always said in life that you would have a conversation with them when you got to heaven. So imagine that you are having one of those conversations, and then you hear your name called from the land of the living, come forth, come back from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but that's got to be about the most surreal human experience that you can ever imagine, right? You're in the afterlife just getting used to it, and all of a sudden you come back to life in this world. This Lent, we've been walking through the I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And this morning, we are looking at Jesus' statement when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Where do you instinctually turn for life? When you feel like something's just not, just maybe empty, or you just want a little bit more spark, or there's this vague kind of discontent, where do you instinctually look to, turn to, for some kind of spark of a better, something better about life. We all know that social media is one of those places where we turn to. We're all by ourselves, we're maybe a bit lonely, and we open up social, and we do that even though we know that they have jiggered the algorithms to trap us, to clickbait us, so that we stay there longer. Because they're not trying to satisfy life, because when we get satisfied, then we're not going to we're not, not going to keep um, clicking. Where do you go? Some people turn to their friends on a, the end of a weekend, and you feel like, I just need more life. Some people turn to learning. Some people turn to travel. People turn to all kinds of places, sex. I mean, there's all kinds of ways where we long for life, and we go someplace hoping that it will give us life. And lots of those things are not bad. They're not necessarily wrong. But none of those things were designed to satisfy us and give us fullness of life. None of those things were designed to be our primary source of life. None of them are able to satisfy this profound, deep longing for life that is woven very much into our souls as human beings. So as we walk through the I am statements of Jesus, um, I've had one of those duh kind of experiences. I became aware again of how much every one of the I am statements of Jesus has to do with life. So I'll remind you of them. John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And later in the chapter, he says, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. John 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
John 10, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. And Matthew 7, 14, Jesus said, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus is the doorway to fullness of life. Also in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way to life. He is truth itself. And Jesus is actually life itself. John 15 that we looked at last week, I am the true vine. And Pastor Hojan helped us see how being connected to the true vine is the only way that we will have fruitfulness and fullness in life. Jesus, the true vine, is the source of our life. And today we're looking at Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. In every one of his I am statements, Jesus is revealing his truest self. And all of them have to do with finding life. So this morning, I want to visit with you Jesus on the morning of the resurrection. And then I want to give you three invitations for how to live a life that is more abundant, a life that is full, a life that is worth living. But first, the context of Jesus' statement when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. It was Lazarus who had that surreal experience of he had died, and then he was called back from the grave. We don't know how long it is. We think it seems to be maybe three to six weeks before Jesus' death and resurrection. It's somewhere in that time frame that Jesus was there and called Lazarus to come back from the dead. John chapter 11 is kind of a long chapter. You can read it for yourself. The cliff notes are that Lazarus, one of Jesus' dear friends, Lazarus, who is Mary and Martha's brother, they live in Bethany, Lazarus died. And then four days later, Jesus shows up. And on the way, um, as Jesus is coming into Bethany, Martha hears that he's coming, and Martha runs out to Jesus, and she says this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And then from there, Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb. And Jesus gets there because there are a lot of people gathered and mourning still four days after Lazarus died. Jesus gets to the tomb and he says, he says, take away the stone. And at that point, I'm pretty sure everybody's thinking, um, Jesus, you don't want to do that. It's been four days and it's hot in the Middle East. In the King James Version, the verse actually said, by now he stinketh. So everybody's thinking, this is a bad idea. Jesus says, remove the stone. And then Jesus said to Marla, to Marla. <laughs> Hi, Marla, I love you. <laughs> Jesus said to Martha, didn't I tell you 
that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips of cloth, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. Kind of, as weird as it would have been to be Mary and Martha and those who were there mourning Lazarus's death, what must that have been like for Lazarus? Whatever he was doing in the afterlife, he gets called back. And I don't know, but I have this weird thing of, you know, they take off the, the clothes, he goes to his room, kind of cleans up a little bit, comes out and says, ah, uh, that was weird. Martha, what's for dinner? Can you imagine that scenario? Now, we know how much it pissed off the religious leaders because Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead was the last straw because, of course, word spread far and wide very quickly that Jesus said he was the resurrection of life, and he raised a man from the dead who had been dead for four days. And the religious leaders, that's when they decided that Jesus must die. So Lazarus's death and resurrection is a straight line to somewhere between three to six weeks later for Jesus's own death and resurrection. With that background, let's visit the first Easter morning. You know that on Palm Sunday, Jesus enters Jerusalem in this triumphal entry, and then he goes through each day of Holy Week. And it's interesting, Jesus' um, public ministry lasted three whole years, but a whole third of the Gospels, one-third of the Gospels, is just about the seven days of Holy Week. And as you know, he entered Jerusalem on Sunday and then walked through each day Thursday night he had the Last Supper with his disciples in the upper room, after which they went to Gethsemane to pray, and that was where Jesus was found and arrested. So Thursday night into Friday morning, Jesus was unjustly tried. He was beaten. He was spit upon. He was, had a crown of thorns put on his head so that by Friday, Good Friday, at noon, he was hanging on the cross. And by 3 o'clock that afternoon, he died. And a darkness descended over the earth. The result of the religious leaders and the people crying out, crucify him, crucified him, crucify him. And when that darkness descended over the face of the earth, the friendship and fellowship of the Trinity of God was broken as our sins were laid upon Jesus, and he paid the penalty that would set us free. The scriptures say Jesus became sin itself. And then after he died, he was taken down from the cross and laid in Joseph's tomb. Here's how the Gospel of Matthew reports the first Easter morning. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, 
and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I wonder whether the first Easter morning was something like this morning. With hardly a cloud in the sky, and the Marys get up very early before dawn. It would have been quiet. They would have started to hear the chirping of the birds, but it would have been very quiet as they headed to the tomb in their sadness. How could it be that their beloved Jesus had been put to death? And so they arrive at the tomb in great grief. And then all of a sudden, they are wide-eyed awake as an earthquake and a bolt of lightning and an angel of the Lord shows up right there. The guards all drop over, and they faint because they're scared to death. I don't know about you, but here's how I picture the angel of the Lord. All right, I picture the angel of the Lord like Thor, because when he comes down on the earth, he always hammers down, and then there's this earthquake. I sort of picture something like that. Because can you imagine being the angel who gets to announce to the human race that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? Who can blame the angel for a little bit of earthquake exuberance? Because on that first Easter morning, that angel was coming to announce that a new day had dawned for the human race as the very Son of God rose from the dead to give us life. And so here's what the angel says to the women. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Brothers and sisters, with power and great glory, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Christ is risen. One more time, Christ is risen. He is risen what must that morning have been like? From grief and sadness to kind of probably confusion and puzzlement, and then to fullness of joy. An angel a great earthquake, an empty tomb, and a two-part message to the women that is appropriate for every follower of Jesus forever after. Number one, come and see that Jesus is not here. And then number two, go and tell that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. So this Easter... As we conclude the I Am series of Jesus disclosing who he is for our life, I'd like to leave you with three invitations for fullness of life. Way better than social media, way better than your dating app, way better than binge-watching Netflix. Three invitations for a more abundant life. Places to turn when something feels like it's not just, it's off, it's not quite right. You wish there was something more. Three invitations to life. Number one, every day, courageously choose life. Every day, courageously choose life. We weren't created simply to survive in life. 
God created human beings to thrive, to be full of life. I love the second century pastor's famous line, Irenaeus, who said, the glory of God is a person who is fully alive. It's not selfish to yearn and long for fullness of life. God created us for that. C.S. Lewis has this quote that you may have heard before, but I wanted to share with you again. C.S. Lewis argues that our desire for life is not like too great so that somehow we're going to get off track, but our desire for life probably is not great enough. And this is what C.S. Lewis says in The Weight of Glory. He writes, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. And he concludes, we are far too easily pleased. I think that's true. We are far too easily pleased. So the first invitation for fullness, for abundance of life, for life that is more worth living is to courageously, courageously choose life every day. Way back in Deuteronomy, Moses is talking one of his final sermons to God's people, and he says this in Deuteronomy 30. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness that today I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life. Every time we worship the splendor and majesty of God, we are courageously choosing life. Every time we choose holiness over sin, we are courageously choosing life. Every time we listen for the voice of God, we courageously choose life. Every time we open the scripture to, to find the words of life, we are courageously choosing life. Every time we pray in Jesus' name, we are courageously choosing life. Every time we lean into community in a selfless way to give of ourselves, we are choosing life. Every time we stand for moral truth, every time we advocate for justice for others. We are courageously choosing life. Every time you work to deconstruct your faith and your churchism to be more faithful and true, we are courageously choosing life. Every time we forgive ourselves and forgive others, we courageously choose life. As we stand before the empty tomb of Jesus this Easter morning, what stone needs to be rolled away? from your heart so that you can have more fullness of life. What doubts, what bitternesses, maybe a relationship, what fear, what soft addiction, what competing idol, what defeating pattern in your life, what perfectionism, what lies from the enemy, and what instinctual habits need to be rolled away so that you can experience more of the fullness that Jesus Christ rose from the dead to give you? The glory of God 
is a person who is fully alive. So every day, courageously choose life. Second invitation, every day, generously give life. Every day, generously give life. Every time we love someone selflessly, we are giving life. Every time we serve one another in love, we are generously giving life. Every time we heal a broken relationship, every time we share the work that God has done within us, we are generously giving life. So Robert and Vanessa, thank you for giving us life as you shared the work that God has done in each of you. Every time we point someone to Christ, we are generously giving life. Every time we pray with a friend, we generously give life. Every time that we gather in community to give more than to receive, we are giving life. Every time we pursue justice and mercy, we are generously giving life. And here's the interesting thing. Generously giving life away transforms us. We become, at our core, we become people who give and breathe life into the world more than people who suck life out of the world. Are you more of a giver of life or are you more of a taker of life? And the thing about generously giving life away, giving yourself for the good of others, the thing about it is when we generously give life, God generously gives life to us. And we become people who are more fully alive. So every day, courageously choose life. Every day, generously give life. And finally, every day, constantly celebrate life. Jesus is life itself. When you celebrate life, you are celebrating Jesus. He may not have his name on it, but when you celebrate life, you are celebrating Jesus, who is life itself. So let's constantly celebrate life every single day. Let's party a whole lot more, because that's what Jesus did. Let's celebrate beauty in life every day. Let's celebrate love in life every day. Let's celebrate the new life of spring. It's not getting warm yet, but the beautiful flower. Let's celebrate that life. Celebrate the life of a toddler that is running across a room with reckless abandon. Let's celebrate newfound love in life. Let's celebrate the Holy Spirit, who is this life-giving spirit within us. Let's celebrate life in community. Let's celebrate life in pursuing justice and mercy. Because when we celebrate life in any form, then we are celebrating Jesus. And you know what? The world doesn't need more Christians to show up at church. The world needs more Christians who courageously choose life, generously give life, and constantly celebrate life. You can use these three invitations to review your day with Jesus any day that you want. At the end of your day, you can ask yourself the question. You can meet with Jesus and say, where did I courageously choose life and where did I not choose life? You can ask with Jesus the question, where did I generously give life today? And where did I hold back? or become selfish. And with Jesus, you can review and say, where did I celebrate life in the world today? And what did I miss celebrating? So we come to the end of the series of I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. 
who allows you to have the light of life. I am the door of the sheep who opens the way to life. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Your source of life is through connection to me. And I am the resurrection and the life. This Easter, will you make a commitment to be more fully alive? Towards the end of the Gospel of John, John writes this. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus died to give you fullness of life. So one more time, Christ is risen. Amen.